Welcome to the Lend Academy podcast, episode number 56. This is your host, Peter Renton, founder of Lend Academy. Today on the show, we have the CEO of a company that is quite unique in our industry. I'm delighted to welcome Vince Passione, who is the CEO of LendKey. Now, bank partnerships have become all the rage in the last couple of years. And, you know, it's, it's interesting that now there are so many announcements being made and partnerships being formed. Well, uh, Vince and LendKey have been doing this now for many years. Vince has run LendKey since 2009, and they are pretty much exclusively focused on bank partnerships and helping banks sort of expand on their offerings to their, you know, to their local community. And I wanted to get him on the show just to really understand his company because it is unique. And I learned a great deal actually in this podcast. And we cut, we go through how their platform works in depth. We talk about all the different banks and community credit unions that they're partnering with and also where he sees the industry as it is today. Hope you enjoy the show. Welcome to the podcast, Vince. Thank you, Peter. So let's just get started by giving everybody a bit of background about yourself. How has your career kind of led you to to LendKey? Sure. So I started my career in development in IBM. Uh, I spent about 10 years there. I transitioned from development into sales and marketing, and I ended my career at IBM as the business unit executive for IBM covering Citigroup uh, globally. I always tell folks that my client got tired of me selling to them, so they eventually hired me. So uh, <laughs> after 10 years in IBM, I joined Citigroup as the CTO in charge of the U.S. Consumer Bank. And I held that position for about six and a half years. And towards the last year and a half of my tenure, I became very involved building something called City Financial Interactive and working with a bunch of startup companies to do it. We were incubating uh, this internet bank. So it was my first real close interaction with startup companies that were working with a large institution like Citi. When I finally took my leave in Citi in 1999, I decided to sort of end my you know, career in large companies and start my entrepreneurial career. So I joined forces with the Ricketts family. They were starting a online personal financial management website called onmoney.com, and I became the CEO of that in 1999. Mm-hmm. We launched that, that product, think of it on the Mint as Mint back in 1999. So we launched that. Some say we were too early in the market. Some say we were too late because 2000 <laughs> happens, right? And uh, we were successful. And then uh, selling, the, selling the business, I spent some time working in Ameritrade, building their institutional client division. And then eventually uh, I joined up as the president and chief operating officer of DealerTrack, which was in the auto finance space and had built a credit portal. A lot of synergies to where we wound up with, with Lenke in that uh, back in 1999, the auto finance business was dominated by a handful of major money center banks. And we had built uh, a very interesting piece of technology that enabled dealers to submit credit applications to multiple financing sources. So by providing the dealers with this portal, we opened up the opportunity uh, for lenders to very quickly step in without a, uh, a distribution channel just to start to acquire auto loans. We eventually took that company public in 2005. I left the firm in 06 and became an angel investor. And uh, I was investigating peer-to-peer lending platforms back in 2009, came across the predecessor to LendKey, which was Finance. And uh, back then, what LendKey was doing was pretty much 
a program to enable wealthy people to fund private student loans. Back in 07, it was an interesting idea, but in 08, it was pretty tough. Uh, after the market crash, wealthy people were about 50% less wealthy, about 100% <laughs> nice. less liquid, right. and the interest rate curves inverted, and we couldn't pay them for the risk. So I spent some time uh, with the then founder. We agreed to pivot the business and to start to go and create a white-label service that would enable, at that time, credit unions to originate private student loans, providing them with the instant decisioning, uh, the digital origination, as well as servicing. And uh, we launched in 09, right after I made my investment. Uh, that summer, we had about 26 clients. And then every year, we grew ever since, adding products and services. And today, we have over 320 clients and service close to a billion dollars worth of unsecured consumer loans for them. Okay, so then just can you sort of explain exactly how everything works there because you're not a typical platform. You're, you're focused on the community banks and credit union space. So are you, are you just providing them a technology solution and a credit and underwriting solution obviously within that? But just explain exactly how it all works. Sure. So it's very interesting to see how our evolution occurred. You know, we, we started off, as I said, Peter, as a white label service that allowed credit unions to originate private student loans. But over the last six years, we went through this just natural evolution based on lender demand, and we added other products and services. So, so today, we sort of sit in that space where there's roughly $3.2 trillion worth of consumer loans, and we're offering both private student loans, student refi loans, home improvement loans, and, and personal unsecured loans. The platform is, is basically five components. It starts with marketing. We use Lenki.com to drive traffic to some of our clients by aggregating up some of their marketing expenses. We can bring on affiliates and drive traffic to a common, a common credit application and then divert them or lead those borrowers to the right local uh, lending institution for them. The second piece of, of the platform is the instant decisioning. We provide the ability for our lenders to take their scorecard, place it on our servers in the cloud, and then we give them a credit application experience on their websites. So you imagine the consumer going in and filling out some type of credit application. It might be a give get where they're using some calculators. It might be a straight up form. But the end result of that is an instant decision. The third component is the digital origination component. What happens post the approval where we then create a white label my account section so that the borrower once approved is then notified through an email um, that they've been approved after they get the instant decision and they click on a link and then my account section opens up for that financial institution that they have acquired a loan from. And in there will be the instructions of what happens and needs to happen next. And we'll guide them through the fulfillment experience. Whether we need to upload documents or electronically verify income, the steps are then outlined to the consumer. They review all their disclosures in that white-labeled my account section. And then finally, the end state of that is they will electronically sign the promissory note. So the output of that digital origination process is an electronic loan jacket. The okay. lender has an administrative tab where they go in and they can approve loans the same way they're approved in the paper, but now they have all that information sitting for them in the electronic loan jacket, so obviously they can speed that up. The fourth part of, of the business is the servicing piece. And the servicing part of the solution is we have built our own servicing platform, and we service in the name of our clients. So once again, that white-label service. So we render the bills electronically to our clients. When they click on the electronic bill, 
it opens them up in the My Account section so they can see where uh, fees, interest, interest, and principal are being applied. They can do a change of address. They can change their payment instruction. And finally, the last part of the platform uh, is what we like to call liquidity management. And that's the ability for our lenders to have options. They can either hold the whole loan on their balance sheet. If they choose to, they can participate the loan out in fractions in syndication to other lenders that they've had pre-approved arrangements with that we do in real time. Or they can actually conduct a whole loan sale. Uh, and today we partner with Apollo Global Management where our clients can sell uh, their student refinance loans in a whole loan arrangement uh, that's been predetermined between themselves and Apollo. So it's a full turnkey uh, that's white label that can allow these clients to provide their own underwriting pricing, their own brands, build their own unique customer experience, but yet maintain this balance sheet if they choose to, or look at options to either diversify or preserve capital. Okay. Okay, so I want to unpack a couple of things there. First, so you you don't keep you don't fund any of these loans yourself. Then you're just merely acting as a, a middleman for. So it's the banks that fund it, or or Apollo, or what have you. Is that is that correct? That is correct. Yeah. And so, what did you say when you said they can like syndicate a loan out in fractions? How can you just unpack that a little bit for us? Absolutely. So so we have clients who have come to us and said, I'm a local lender. And I'm very concerned about geographic risk, right? And we all know in lending, the law of large numbers is your friend. And having a geographically diverse portfolio of loans can be helpful mm-hmm. for certain asset classes, probably most for that yeah. matter, right? Yeah. So what these lenders have done through our facilitation is they found one of them. And they've joined up and created common loan products. So, for example, we have 100 lenders who today offer a private student loan called CU Scholar. And if you go to any of those 100 websites, you will see that loan on their site. Same brand, 100 financial institutions, all offering it. Uh, If the consumer were to apply, they would get the same pricing, right, based on having the same credit profile. Well, they apply to any one of these 100 clients. And at the point of origination, that consumer can pick the local institution they want to do business with. What they'll then do, though, is once approved, that lending institution will open up a loan and they'll approve it through the administrative tab I told you about. Mm-hmm. Once they're done, as soon as they hit approve, because these hundred institutions have already, already agreed to participate loans out, the loan is broken up into 10 pieces. The approving institution holds 10% as the originating lender, and then the other nine institutions will all get a message that there's a loan for them to review. And it will be the same loan. They're going to get 10% of it, uh, but they will go through the same process. So in real time, What's happening here, and we think it's really a very uh, the best practice, is the originating lender is going to hold 10% and have skin in the game. The participating lenders, though, are there at the point of origination, and they go through the same exact approval process hit by reviewing the stipulations, reviewing the bureau, ensuring the underwriting is compliant with what they all agree to, and they get approved. Then what we, LendKey, will do is we will then go and collect up the funding. We will fund that borrower, whether if it's an in-school loan, we will fund it into the school. If it's a refinance loan, we'll pay off the, the student's loans at the other institutions that they had loans with. And then when the reverse happens, when the student makes a payment or the borrower makes a payment, we take the payment into our servicing department, we credit the student's account or the borrower's account, and then we conduct lender servicing. Where we break that payment up and we then distribute it to the 10 lenders that happen to be on the rotary 
to that particular loan. And then we provide all of the financial reporting for it. So it's very unique. The participation algorithm is proprietary. Uh, we believe we are the only technology company that has a real-time loan participation uh, algorithm and platform for these uh, local lenders. Yeah, that, that's fascinating. I, I, have, I haven't heard that before either. So the borrower often will choose their local their local lender because they, they like to do business locally. Is that typically... You know, I mean, I mean, do they want to? Do they want to go with a large bank? I mean, you you give the borrower these choices. You know, how do they decide? Yeah, so I think I think so. we we give them information about the lender. Sometimes we'll match them with someone who's local and say this seems like a right match for you. Sometimes they might see a brand that they're aware of and select that brand. Or in more cases than not, they're already a member or a customer of one of these credit unions or banks. Right, so right. they're seeing an offer from someone they already do business with, and they select them. And as you can imagine, there is this great affinity for some of these brands, so they'll select them. What we do is offer the options, and then the consumer then turns around and makes the selection. So, as far as so, say you're doing this, you're fractionalizing it out to ten different lenders. What does the borrower see? Do they still like? I mean, as far as they're concerned, they're still got the loan with with the local banker. How does that work? Yeah, so, so so this is all behind the scenes. The right. customer experience is they've obtained a loan from their local lender or the lender that they currently do business with. And then as far as the participation, whether it's happening on the origination side or on the servicing side, that is not visible to the borrower. So the nice part about it is that the originating lender maintains the relationship with the borrower. The originating lender keeps their brand in front of the borrower. And the originating lender then still has the option um, to diversify, right? Mm-hmm. Or potentially uh, it might be being done for capital preservation. It might be a small lender who potentially doesn't want to hold as much of this loan uh, for risk perspective, but they still want to maintain a relationship with that particular consumer. Right. So, so the bank, you know, the bank obviously may hold the entire loan. They may end up selling the whole loan. They have that option, or they can they can keep just a portion of it. Um, those, so basically, right. there's three options for these small banks. That's right. They can balance sheet it, they can participate in fractions, or they can do a whole loan sale. But in all cases, they maintain their brand and their relationship with the customer, and, the, and it's not visible to the customer what's happened. And because we service, we still service on behalf of this institution. So right. that right. the standpoint of, hey, this loan got sold, and suddenly you've got a new servicer, that's not happening here. So that we can continue because we have, uh, service level agreements with these clients continue to service the loan on behalf of that institution the way they chose to service it. Yeah, that's big because particularly if you've got a if you've got a you know a good relationship with your local bank and suddenly they sell off the loan and you've got this bank you've never heard of. You know, it happens with mortgage mortgages all the time where you know suddenly you take a loan out from someone and then you find out three months later or a month later sometimes you've you now got to pay somebody else that you'd never heard of. So I think that's that's a really nice benefit. Okay, so then let's just go through you. I think it's so student loans are still your primary product, right? But I just want to go through what, it, what all the different products that, you, that you're offering today as far as loans. Right. So, so our 320 clients all offer some type of unsecured, uh, unsecured personal uh, loan. The, the, today, uh, we have clients offering a private student loan. We have clients offering a student refinance loan. We have clients who are offering a home improvement loan. The platform is fairly extensible, so the ability to do a personal and secured loan, the ability to do a direct auto loan, we also have those capabilities. 
but the majority of what we've seen originated on the platform to date has been in the, the student and education space. Right. Okay. Okay. That makes sense. So then your typical borrower is, I mean, obviously someone who's either a student or a recent or a recent graduate, I imagine, who's either you know taking out a loan for their education you know, requirements today or they're refinancing. So they're pretty young, exactly. I imagine, yeah, pretty young borrower on average. Exactly, and I think a lot of our clients have chosen to offer this as the first entry point, um, obviously getting in very early while they're still in school. But I think what we're seeing is a, a very big interest in the student refi product because you're getting that millennial upon graduation or several years out of school where they are trying to refinance their student loan debt. And as you know, it's been in the paper a lot, right? You know, the average student is graduating with somewhere around $35,000 worth of student loan debt. And, you know, what we have seen is that students are going to, or borrowers are going to our lenders looking to refinance that debt with the opportunity to save, you know, somewhere around $12,500 over the life of that loan. So some are looking for longer term, some are looking for shorter term, but what all are looking for is the ability to reduce payment, to improve cash flow, and to save on the interest expense on the loan uh, over the life of the loan. In addition, a lot of our lenders, I'd say most of our lenders who offer the student refinance program, have created a very unique product in that uh, they offer an interest-only pay. So today, one of the products they offer, because they're offering both fixed and variable, is a 15-year product where the first four years, the borrower only pays interest on the loan. And you could see how that could be very attractive to someone who graduates from a law school, graduates from medical school, is, is now an associate in a law firm, or is a resident in a, in a residency where their future income potential is very high, but in the short term, right, they're dealing with, you know, resident's pay or an associate's pay in a law firm. But their student loan debt is very high. So it's a great way for them to right-size on their payment while they're still seeing that early increase in their income, and then as their, their income starts to escalate, well, so will their payment. So we also see a lot of lenders offering that kind of graduated payment in the refi space. Right. So, and so what? just talk us through some of the, the rates that you're charging. We know you said you've got a variable and a fixed, and they're going to be different, obviously, but can you give give us some idea of of the different rates? Yeah, so, so it's going to range by lender. It's going to range by product, right? You imagine now we have a 5, a 10, and a 15-year variable. Right. A 5, sure. a 10, and a 15, and we have a client offering a 20-year product. They'll range anywhere from 1.9% to uh, upwards of, of almost 8.9%. And it really just depends on trade-off of term, what, uh, term and, uh, and whether it's variable or fixed. Okay. Okay, that makes sense. So I want to talk about the you know, all these community banks that you have, which you said you've really got a unique niche here. I don't really know anybody that's doing exactly what you guys are doing. So I guess I, I'm curious about like how I mean how you approach these community banks because I mean there's a lot community banks have been under fire. I mean Dodd Frank has hurt them tremendously, and I hear a lot of a lot of them are just uh, struggling to move beyond you know commercial real estate, for example. So. Just talk about the the kinds of banks that are that are coming on your platform and why they're coming on. Well, I think you covered it. What you're seeing is that many of these community banks are, are coming under scrutiny from their regulator to diversify out of right these commercial loans, commercial real estate loans. Their their one source of diversification is to move over to the consumer side. And you know, if you look at someone like WSFS Bank, which is a great partner of ours, 
you know, they're a four and a half billion dollar community bank uh, based out of Delaware. They are chartered in six states. Of the four and a half billion dollars, at least when we started with them, only about 215 million of the assets were in consumer assets. So they had a vision to diversify uh, onto the consumer side and really just start to look and see how they attract millennials. So when they looked at options with us, the first product that really made a lot of sense to them was looking at that student refinance product. They started out slow. You know, I think they, they probably did year one, they did $350,000 of this product, and then year two, maybe 500. And this year, they did over $11 million of originations. So they are very, very quickly starting to ramp uh, this program. But as you said earlier, it's for a couple of reasons. One is clearly diversification. The other is to get over to the, obviously to diversify to the consumer side. The other is to start to attract that millennial borrower as a customer to their community banks. And, you know, I always joke around and say, my dad was a, a Depression-era baby, right? He watched his father go through the Depression as he did as a child. And he watched the banks and he watched his father sort of sit there and, you know, struggle with cash and, and really adopt cash as a solution, right? Because the banks failed, right? Mm-hmm. And my dad came that way, too. When I look at these millennials, I call them the credit crisis babies, right? They went to, to, they went through 2008. They went through 2008. In their teen years, maybe while they're in college, listening to their parents say things like, I lost my job, I lost, I lost my investments. And I think that leaves a, a pretty large sort of, you know, sort of impact on someone, just like my, on my dad who paid his bills in cash for a very long period of time. Right. <laughs> so, so when I, when I, and, and having come from Citigroup, and I think Citigroup is still a phenomenal institution, I don't know that millennials connect with Citi. Uh, because I think they struggle with what happened to that part of our history, that Great Recession. So I look at some of these local institutions as the farm-to-table solution, right? They're local, they're accessible. And as much as as we say that, yes, what we see this big shift from in-branch to omnichannel and wanting to deal electronically, I, I've always seen that consumers will take every channel you will give them because what they're really striving for is speed, transparency, and flexibility. But, but all of that comes down to one thing, convenience. And that's right. I probably want to turn around and access my financial institution from a mobile device. But I also might want to just walk by it one day on my, my lunch break and step in and drop off something or pick up something. So I do think there's this sort of refocus, if you would, on being that local institution. And when I look at someone like WSFS, that's sort of the way I think they're approaching the market in starting off with this student refi program as a form of diversification as well as a way to get access to this younger borrower. Right, right. Yeah, that makes sense. So, so I, w- I wanted to just talk a little bit about the, the, the millennial that you, the target audience that you have. I mean, they're not, they're, they're different to other generations in, in many ways. And so how are you reaching them? How do you target these people and get them on your platform? Are you using sort of more of the online conveniencing? Are you using more of the, oh, you want to do business with a local bank? I mean, how do you how do you market to them? Yeah, so all above, but I, I think the one big distinction here is that, you know, today across our platform, when you look at someone like Navy Federal Credit Union, Navy Federal Credit Union is the largest credit union in the United States. Mm-hmm. They represent over six and a half million active and retired service personnel. And Navy Federal is marketing into their customer base. They're marketing through emails. They're doing statement stuffers. They're doing ads. They're using uh, social media. 
and reassess. Okay? So the advantage that we have is that we have access to, with maybe several, probably oh, over 25 million customers who all have an affinity to a brand that's doing business with us. And then we assist them. Uh, that's why our marketing channels, we will work with our clients and, and figure out very unique ways for them to run everything from email campaigns to social media marketing campaigns to how they get out and become known by schools if they're running private student loan programs. We have over 88 affiliates today that drive traffic to our portal. We use people like Mint, Credit Karma, Lending Tree. So, and we also use direct mail where it makes sense, right, as a valuable tool. So the benefit that we have is that the organizations that we're doing business with already have many of these consumers as their customers. And now what they really are doing is just selling an incremental customer, uh, an incremental product, which has a marginal cost. Right. Right. Uh, since they're already they already know who they are, they have their emails, and they have a relationship with them. So, so then, are you marketing under like under the Lenkey brand? In some instances, in other instances, you might be marketing under uh, the bank or credit union brand. Is that how you? Yeah. Doing? So, yeah. So, Peter, think of it this way: we assist our clients when they're looking to upsell and cross-sell their existing customer base, mm-hmm. and we bring all the same tools to them. We show them how to use email marketing, social media marketing. Kind of turn around and do in-branch marketing. We help them do pre-approved offers of credit for their existing customers. And then, and what we have been very successful in doing is, we help these clients go reach out to new customers. And there, when we're doing it, we will market under the Lenkey brand as a portal to help someone find a local institution to offer them a loan, as opposed to saying you're going to get the loan from Lenkey. So in that case, we act as a marketplace of sorts, where we're now driving traffic through some of those same channels into Lenkey, and then we allow the consumer to fill out a credit application, and you'll see this functionality become more robust over the next few weeks, and we call it Lenkey Network, where the consumer comes in, they fill out a generic credit application, we do a soft pull. Because we have over 320 institutions, we can take that soft pull, we can bounce it off all of the scorecards mm-hmm. that we have within our customer base, and then we can show that consumer all the potential institutions that would make them an offer and not show them the rack rate, you know, 1.9 to 8.9, but show them the actual rate that they will get, right, which is very unique. Mm-hmm. Now, the second part is since they have all these offers, very similar to if you and I went to Kayak and we said, I want a round trip ticket to San Francisco and we'd see all these different websites quoting us, we put up on the left-hand side a filtering mechanism. So the bar can say, I only want to look at fixed-rate options. I only want to look at five-year options. I want to shop based on payment. And what they'll see then is those offers, very similar to what happens on Kayak, start to become more customized to exactly what they're filtering on. Now, finally, when they hit select, typically in many of these marketplaces, what will happen is you'll bounce out. And you'll be on a totally new website, typically the website of the financial institution that you clicked on. Mm-hmm. And in some cases, I should say most cases, you start over again. Right. The information has been passed. We have created straight-through processing since we are also doing not just the marketing, but we are handling the instant decision, we're handling the origination servicing. The next click moves them over to fulfillment where all their information is already filled out. And the only thing we're asking them to do now is to either... Uh, to give us consent to electronically verify information or start to upload documentation from them so we can go to fulfillment for the vet, for the specific lender that they selected. So 
that's how we envision our marketplace providing both marketing opportunities as well as fulfillment opportunities and really sort of building on those three tenets we talked about earlier, which is transparency, speed, and flexibility for the borrower. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. Makes sense. That makes sense. So before I let you go, I want I just want to ask you about bank markets partnerships in general. It's interesting. You've been, you've been doing this since 2009 and you've probably watched as as companies like Lending Club start to partner and prosper and others, you know, on deck are doing the, you know, the thing with Chase. And it sounds like, you know, you've been, you've been doing this for a long time. So what do you make about the, the big movement just in the last year or two for these marketplace lending platforms to partner with the banks? So I think certainly the last sort of 20 months or so, what we've seen is this big focus on partnering with banks. And I think the success of marketplace lenders has certainly gotten the attention of financial institutions, traditional financial institutions, and the disruption threat is something I think they're all starting to see and recognize that they have to have a reaction to it. As you know, many of these financial institutions are struggling with a very difficult regulatory environment uh, with Dodd-Frank and legacy systems, which makes it very difficult for them to react. But it's getting to the point now where their investors are even asking them, what are you going to do about this? And in some cases, what you'll see, and we're starting to see it happen now, is they're all faced with this build versus buy decision. You know, we continue to see our pipeline grow because more and more RFPs are being issued uh, by institutions who are looking for a white-label solution, a lending-as-a-service solution, mm-hmm. as opposed to just buying loans. And I think many of our clients view it as, I can either go buy loans from a marketplace lender or I can make loans through someone like a Lenkey, and that's a decision before them. You know, if I look at the advantages that these traditional financial institutions have, aside from the potential challenges on technology, is they have the lowest cost of funds in the industry as a, as a depository institution. You know, credit unions' current cost of funds is probably about 50 basis points. Um, the average community bank is just slightly over 100 basis points. They very easily can be a prime money lender and not struggle with diminishing margins. Right. And as we see a rising rate environment occur, we're going to see more and more push now as marketplace lenders, right, who need these relationships if they want to continue to stay in this prime lending space. Mm-hmm. So I think it's going to be a very interesting year ahead of us as you know, we listen to the industry that more and more institutions now, financial institutions, are starting to look at how they respond to the growth of marketplace lending. And, and they start to come up with their own strategies for offering online lending solutions to their customer base. And uh, we hope to be the recipient of many of those contracts in providing that white-label service that we've done for our 320 clients today. Sure. Well, it sounds like you probably will be. Okay, last question. So wh- where do you go from here? Are you, are you planning on just, you say, moving out from that 320 to you know, 500 or 1,000? Or are you planning, you mentioned auto briefly, are you planning on adding your product line? Where, where does Lenkey go from here? Yeah, so I think, I think you grow in sort, of, in sort of two dimensions, right? The first is, uh, or I should say three, is, is continue to grow the base on the, on the platform we have today. And the other is continue to add more products and services. The killer application is really a single credit app where the consumer is approved for all possible offers within a financial institution. And we want the ability to sit across the table from a traditional bank and say that, yes, we can create your generic credit app, we can do a soft pull, and in one interaction with the consumer, you can offer them a student refi loan, 
an auto loan, and potentially a mortgage. So adding those additional products and services is where the industry wants us to go. And the last piece is continue to add more lenders. It is a network effect. It's what we experience at DealerTrack. The more lenders you get, the more borrowers will be attracted into a marketplace, and that makes an awful lot of sense. And we're starting to see the size of the institutions and complexity of the institutions grow. As you know today, we have credit unions. We have credit unions like Navy. We have banks like WSFS. And now we have people like Apollo on the back of our platform uh, providing some liquidity. So we see more of that in, in 2016 and beyond. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, it's a fascinating discussion, Vince. I really, really appreciate you coming on the show today. Peter, thanks for having me. Okay. Bye. It is really interesting to me that the the narrative has changed so dramatically. When I first got into this industry, it was all about disrupting the banks and the fact that we don't need banks and we really want to replace banks. Now, I think the industry has completely adjusted for the most part. There, Not everybody is on board with this vision, but the vision of partnering with banks. And I, I think it really is a way for, you know, for the traditional banks to, you know, to increase their efficiency. And I love the Lend Key model because you've got, you've got local, you know, people often want to do business in their local area. And that's one of the weaknesses, I think, of marketplace lending is that it's, you know, it's online. So it by its very nature, it's, it's national. And, you know, we sometimes lose that kind of local connection. And that's, uh, you know, that's what I, I see, uh, LendKey as one of their strengths is that they can maintain that. And, uh, that's a way that, uh, you know, I think I truly believe that bank partnerships are the way forward and that this is really, you know, this whole online lending space is a way for small banks to really become more relevant and more successful as time goes on. I think it's, you know, they've shown that, uh, you know, the regulators have made it tough. They've, they've had a lot of headwinds in recent years. And I think this is one of the few opportunities they have to grow. Anyway, on that note, I will sign off. I very much appreciate you listening and I'll catch you next time. Bye.